Korriband was a city of tents. There were no permanent buildings, only dome-like yurts of white and black spread out in the shallow bowl of a valley. The little round shelters were scattered in dense clumps, large and small, radiating out from the river that meandered across the valley from the south. The space between each yurt was cluttered with heavy, wooden-wheeled carts, ox-yokes, racks of drying meat, hobbled horses, and camels. Here and there were wicker corrals for horses and sheep. Thin trails of smoke drifted from the cooking fires between the yurts. Farther out were herds of horses, cattle, and sheep grazing on the greening grass of the spring steppe. The stubby grass broke through the pitted crust of old snow that still dotted the plain. White snow, green grass, and brown dirt covered the flat ground in broken patches, stretching as far as one could see. There were no trees, only gently rolling hillocks that rippled to the horizon. Dark scars from old gullies made jagged cuts across the barren land. Small clumps of bright blue and pink, the blooms of early crocus and dwarf lily, struggled against the cold to bring the first signs of spring to the land. Chanar Ong Ko, a general of the Tweegan, seemed to glisten as sunlight played off the burnished metal scales of his armor. The light emphasized the luster of Chanar's thick braids, and the thin sheen of sweat on the shaven patch at the top of his head. The sword at his side, its scabbard set with sapphires and garnets, swung in rhythm to his mare's swaying steps, scratching out a beat as it scraped against the general's metal leggings. Saddle leather creaked as Chenar looked back to see if his companion was impressed. The man, a gaunt rider on a black mare, lurched along, parallel to a long, winding file of mounted soldiers, a small part of the ten thousand men under General Chanar's command. The companion wore what were once bright orange robes, though they were now travel-stained and worn. His head was shaven, and around his neck hung several strings of beads, each ending in a small prayer case of silver filigree. The priest rode stiffly, bouncing with every jolt, not with the natural grace of his fellow horsemen. Chanar waited with bemused distaste as the priest pulled alongside. Tonight, Koja of the Kazari, you'll sleep in the tents of the Tweegan, Chanar announced as he leaned forward to stroke his mare's neck. Even though it's only been a few nights under the sky. Three weeks is more than a few nights, Koja observed. The priest spoke haltingly, with a musical inflection, ill-suited to the guttural twists of the Tweegan tongue. It was a language clearly different from his own. Even you, honorable general, must welcome a night in warmer surroundings. Warm or cold, Kazari, it makes no difference to me. The blue wolf gave birth to our ancestors in the bitter cold of winter. My home is where I stand. Learn that if you mean to stay with us. General Chanar answered, snapping the flank of the dapple mare with his knout. The general urged his horse into a gallop toward Quaraband, leaving the foreign priest behind. Koja let out an exasperated sigh as he watched the horse warrior gallop ahead. 
Once again, Koja had to put up with the arrogance of the Tweegan general. The priest was saddle-stiff, dust-caked, and sun-scorched after three weeks of constant riding. The Kazari had traveled with the general and 10,000 Tweegan warriors through forests, over mountains, and finally across the dry and empty steppe to reach the great capital of the Tweegan people. He had left the comforts of civilization far behind. Now the capital of these mysterious warriors, men who bedeviled the valuable caravan trade, lay ahead.